Welcome to the Osprey Podcast. We're mixing things up a bit today as I'm joined in person at Osprey Europe HQ, Talon House, by our very own VP of Sales and Product, Tom Entwistle. We'll be taking a deep dive into the future of product sustainability and learning a little bit about Tom himself throughout the episode. And we'll also be joined by my co-host for the day, our head of Weapon Digital, James Walls. Hopefully this will serve as an opportunity to give you some insight into the minds behind the Osprey brand, and I'm pretty confident you'll learn a few things on the way too. So without further ado, I'm your host, Marcus Brown, and this is the Osprey Podcast. I am going to put 60 seconds on the clock because we have a lot to talk about. Oh, wow. Except my phone is turned off. So I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to count in my head. <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing a watch. I can okay, keep an perfect. eye on 60 seconds. Perfect. All right, 60 seconds, quick fire intro, all about you personally and how you got here. Okay, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big outdoor enthusiast, and, and all that came from really my, my upbringing. So I was born in Manchester. Uh, I lived on Marsden Moor um, and, and kind of Saddleworth Moor, which is uh, pretty much on the Pennine Way uh, up north. And yeah, I, I got into the mountains through my grandparents who lived um, on the Lane Peninsula in North Wales. So I used to go and live with those guys for like three weeks of every six weeks. Um, and yeah, I got into mountains, uh, loved the mountains. And that's how I got into working for Snow and Rock. Um, the first person I met on, the, on my first day uh, walking up the stairs ended up being my wife. Uh, a couple of years later, uh, worked for Snow and Rock for five years. Um, yeah, and, uh, and then met... Um, um, met Rob who uh, who actually kind of owned and ran Osprey Europe um, yeah and then later down the line me and Elle my wife uh, moved to Bournemouth uh, where we still live and we have three uh, young boys uh, so yeah it was it was almost kind of a, a coming together of, of people because of the outdoors and, and I got a lot of that through my grandparents so yeah that's that's Tom Entwistle in a nutshell which I think was about four seconds over 60 seconds <laughs> close enough <laughs> uh, so when did you join Osprey Europe then so I joined Osprey Europe in 2007 uh, in April, um, and yeah, it was um, it was a, a much different kind of environment and place when when I started. There was like six of us, and that included uh, the warehouse. So um, occasionally it was like stop writing workbooks and, and put your uh, put your your proper boots on with metal toes and and come and offload a, a, a 40 foot container. <laughs> so it was it was quite different in 2007. Um, and in 2007 we actually uh, that was the first spring season we launched Talon uh, so the, the first pack I ever owned was uh, a, a Talon 22 in, in moonlight blue uh, was was the colour so yeah ov- obviously lots of changes since 2007 till now. So what how would you describe working at Osprey now and then? It, it's not changed um, in in the kind of the fundamental um, culture of the business um, and that is that is number one to have fun you know, we're in an industry um, and, and we're selling products that we, we, you know, we use and we love, you know, so, you know, we're not in this kind of corporate beast. So the, the number one part of the culture is to have fun, um, transparency with each other. You know, we, we're respectful internally, you know, to have like, you know, there are kind of levels of seniority, but, um, you know, everybody is willing to give their point of view. You know, there's no kind of like boundaries, uh, there's no like top down mentality. 
Um, so I would say that's kind of a really rewarding part of working at Osprey is everybody everybody has a chance to input what, what they think um, and that's for me really rewarding um, I would say as well another kind of and again this has always been the case is um, there's, there's entrepreneurialship but I, I would call it intrapreneurialship um, because it's, it's very much something that we have internally that we that we um, nurture, that we promote. Um, and and that's very much a uh, there is no box mentality. You know, people say, like, think outside the box. Um, but actually, you know, start from start from scratch. You know, everything's on the table. Um, I know it's cliche, but like, you know, no stupid ideas and all that. But it, it actually is like it is here, you know. And um, obviously, occasionally, I have some kind of wacky ideas that everybody laugh at and I thought was a good one. But, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no, like, um, you know, question marks around that so I would I would say that's part of working for Osprey um, yeah it's, it's very much a family feeling down to earth place to work um, but there's a big but here is um, we're ambitious you know and and we understand that at the end of the day we're coming to work to, to all feed into a mission um, and um, yeah a byproduct of that is we're, we're pretty high performing business so um, I, I guess that's a pretty kind of full synopsis of working for Osprey Europe yeah and what would you say that mission is I would say I would say overall the mission really is just to improve everybody's journey through using our packs out in in the wilderness out in the street uh, doing what they do um, you know I would just say that's that's really just wanting to to improve that that experience for, for people through providing them with fantastic product um, fantastic service, you know, like our guarantee, our after sales is is you know pretty pretty incredible. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say that's really fundamentally our mission, and yeah, I, I would say as well, you know, within making the best product, um, you know, that's that's something that we've always kind of counted as our as our fundamental kind of role. Really, is is, is to make the best product we possibly can. Yeah, that's kind of one of the, one of the things that I always. Um quite i'm quite proud of actually when whenever talking about working here is the you know jonathan rmd always says kaizen that this constant refinement this always trying to work out okay how can we improve it how can we just knock off that little bit of resistance and make it that little bit better um i think personally i find that's that's really key um across the board like everyone pays so much attention to that and i think that's what really kind of elevates us um yeah, I mean, I mean, with with people, with you know the um, like the projects we're doing, like in the marketing team or whatever. But I mean, you know, as soon as we're here talking about you know innovation, like that's clearly in our product as well, isn't it? You know, there are there are iterations of of products that have been developed over you know decades, and um, you know, you mentioned Talon, for example, like that's a that's a fantastic example of that. That is like a that's an iconic pack that has that has evolved over over the decades and continues to evolve into the future. Um, I guess more to come on that one. What sort of reactions do you guys get when people uh, when you tell people that, that you work at Osprey? Depend, depends who you talk to. <laughs> but yeah. If you if you if you're talking to just 
like I nearly said normal people then, but um, I guess like I would, yeah, <laughs> uh, people in the street or like family members. I think is probably a good one. Like when you know when I talk to family members who I haven't seen or uh, for a while or, or I haven't got into the conversation. You say and you say, oh, I work for for Osprey. Um, you know, I sell packs, backpacks, um, and they're like backpacks. And really, hmm, like isn't isn't a backpack just a backpack? And then I was like, you know, obviously take ultra offense to that. <laughs> and, uh, just, just because obviously you're so like vested in, um, in the intricacies of, of being, a, I, I guess, a geek when it comes to, to packs, you know, and um, I'm happy to admit I'm a geek um, on, on that. But I, w- I would say in answer to that, it's, it's a little bit like saying to uh, a Swiss chocolatier, isn't your chocolate just the same as the, you know, the chocolatier down the road's chocolate? You know, you would, you would probably chase you out of his his, uh, his shop with his wooden wooden spoon i don't know but um i think i think really that's that's when you when you start talking about again like like i said the intricacies and and the the cool parts of being part of um a brand that produce packs you know that's one side of it you know with the innovation that we'll cover later on and and all the components that go into a pack and also like a lot of people just don't understand how long it takes to build a backpack you know like they're handmade they're not made by robots you know they're put together they're blended in different processes you know you say well this one pack takes like 12 hours to build you know from start to finish um people then start to understand the value of the product more they then start to value the skills that go into that as well you know so i would say that once you start kind of peeling back the layers of actually what goes into the pack is one thing but also just to finish you know working then for a, for a brand like osprey within our industry again and you know when you when you think of a product or, or like conceptually and then like three years later when it's actually in the market you're, you're like walking around the mountains and you're like wow i can i can literally cast my mind back to when we said wouldn't it be a good idea to to come up with this and then you know three years later you're on the side of a mountain and and some person's using that product that is that is pretty rewarding <laughs> That's pretty cool. I think I think for me, um, I love the difference between those two groups that Tom mentioned. That you've got the you've got the the outdoor nerds, which I definitely class myself as one of, one of as, as Tom said. And you know, I'm part of um, uh, Dorset Search and Rescue. So if I go and speak to those guys, and you know, I mentioned that I work for Osprey Europe, I feel like I feel a little bit famous. Like it's cool. Like they they, they want to like they want to chew your ear off about about backpacks, and that's amazing that there's these like passionate people out there that just like they get it, they understand the innovation, they understand the tech that's in our products but i also love the idea that there's people out there that that aren't that group and that you know um we you know our backpacks aren't aren't all for the mountains that's our you know that's our foundation like you know technical backpacks for for uh, the outdoors but there's that group of people out there that um you know maybe don't know what what goes into our products like like tom said don't know that that 12 hour you know construction time that design time that goes into it and, um, you know, the fact that we can try and reach out to them and like um, give them the, the pack that they need for their particular activity, be it like, you know, going around the city, commuting, going to the gym, traveling, going around Europe, interrailing and, and 
tell them that there's um, you know um, product benefits and technology out there for them that um, will will suit their activity. And it's not all about nerdiness in the, you know outdoor nerdiness in the mountains. It's also about just really fantastic products for your needs. That's super cool. So I like meeting them both. I like I like feeling like uh, you know a, a, like a little bit of a, uh, a celebrity when I talk to the outdoor nerds, and then and then I like being brought back down to earth by the people that don't really uh, don't really. <laughs> get it and don't really um you know know what the uh, tech's about super cool let's talk about the future product because uh, this is where it gets really exciting um one thing i wanted to ask was obviously there was a big hype in the last like 10 years or or whatever um about 3d printing is it as exciting as it was said to be is it relevant to backpacks a number of yeses very quickly yeah yes it is as exciting as people um, talked about it in the past, but also it's still relevant in terms of its levels of like excitement still now, even though it's come on a lot, you know, in terms of like this kind of 3D printing, obviously there are a number of different kind of methods of, three, of, of 3D printing or, you know, and, and it's not just using um, plastics or metals, you know, it's the fusion of, of technologies. Um, there's also a yes in regards to is it relevant to backpacks? Um, it's relevant to everything, actually, I would say, or, or it will be, be able to be relevant to everything going forward. Um, I would say that in terms of innovation and technology around printing, I'd almost kind of, I'd almost look at it like, a, like an ecosystem. Um, you know, when you look at a backpack, it's, it's kind of like an ecosystem. In fact, Mike, actually, um, Mike, our founder, Mike Fortenauer, he actually looks at packs like um, a human body. So there's kind of a skeleton to a pack, there's ligaments and, and there's also like skin, you know, the, when you look at the pack, you know, it's kind of a good way of looking at it. And, and that's kind of what I meant when I said like ecosystem, it all works in kind of a symbiotic way. So you'll have metals, you'll have plastics, you'll have fabrics. So when you start to look at how those metals and plastics kind of work in conjunction with, with each other, Sometimes then when you can start looking at, well, rather than it be, you know, we have to create a sleeve for the metal part to then attach to the plastic part, I'm just making this like really simple, you then start to think, well, hang on a second, why can't we actually preform that? Why can't it be this single entity rather than a collection of different parts, I guess? So I would say that's talking about 3D printing. I would, I would kind of collect that in the, in the kind of single word of construction. And when you start to kind of look at construction as how it used to be in the past, um, and when I say the word simple, I don't mean that derogatory, but kind of a simple cut and sew type mentality, how that can potentially move going forward with 3D printing and, and asking ourselves, where, where does 3D printing on a pack actually become relevant? And where does it still not? You know, and then you also start asking, what about injection molding? So can we then start um, swapping out some of the components and maybe some of the fabrics for injection molded pieces, you know, and actually looking at that from a sustainability uh, perspective, we are then starting to see, um, you know, recycled um, injection molded pieces. So you're not like throwing plastic on there, that, that's, you know, that's just kind of throwaway plastic. There's a sustainability part to it. So I, I would kind of collect that all, as I said, in construction and understanding that in five years time you know you know I, I would also say like maybe even in 12 months time but definitely in five um sorry in five years time you'll start to see backpacks looking feeling being constructed very very differently 
I'm going to start with the Kardashians. This seems like a really weird spin-off <laughs> from what you just said. Um, from injection molding to <laughs> Kardashians. No, I, I do actually see a link it's there. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> it's going to loop back around, I promise. Yeah. Right, so my partner um, watches and loves the Kardashians. And in the Kardashians, there's points, right, where you can see that Kanye is clearly being roped in by Kim to, like, come into the episodes. And he's, he's not always very comfortable on screen, but he's forced to be there because I, I guess that she's, like, saying, no, no, you need to come be on the Kardashians as part of the deal. Getting back on track with 3D printing, there's a point where um, Kanye, who you know runs his own clothing brands and his own um, uh, sneaker brand, um, he's visiting um, a 3D printing um, uh, workshop, and um, they're they're doing all sorts of th 3D printing there. And he goes in there, and and you know, typical Kanye hasn't got like the normal response where people are like, "Wow, that's so cool." He's like terrified of it. Like he he sees 3D printing as like almost a um, almost like something that he needs to be chasing and evolving towards, but also some, something that's a bit of a threat because he's, you know, he's, he sees his shoes that are like um, part of that 12 hour construction yeah. process. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're these refined design pieces and he's worrying about down the line, people will be 3D printing their own shoes left, <laughs> left right and center. And he's like, where's my business going to go? And he, he's thinking about it as a, as a businessman, but also as a designer, which is really cool. And he's thinking, you know, maybe um, I need to be getting ahead of this and working out how I can be part of that journey um, and, and part of this evolution. So there's a question in there somewhere. And I think the question is, you know, um, so 3D printing as a means for creating parts of the pack is, it, you know, obviously it's got benefits and obviously there's, you know, um, there's, there's sustainability angles outside of that. Uh, but there's also like this interesting concept of 3D printing being owned by the consumer. Um, is there any, you know, is there any consideration going on um, with that or is there any, you know, I guess worries about that? I would, that's, that is a very difficult kind of question to answer from, um, from a single person's perspective. Um, and I'm sure like everybody's waiting for what I'm about to say now to kind of have their own point of view on it. The thing with the thing with 3D printing right now as we as we sit here is um, it's not actually as quick as you would think right now due to the technology. You know, so you can't like you know it's not like that uh, machine uh, on um, on Star Trek where they like press a button and ask for like a Big Mac meal and it appears with you know like. <laughs> Um, I'm probably not allowed to say that. Uh, that uh, no, brand, non branded that, burger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There, there are other hamburgers yeah. if you choose to eat them. There's uh, other, there's other sci fi programs yeah, as well. Yeah, there are. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's not like that. You know, yeah. you, so some, you know, some smaller parts, you know, like uh, climbing helmets, you know, you can, you know, put that in. Um, but it, it takes, it'll still take like hours, you know, to do that. So, and those those machines cost you know eighty eighty thousand dollars something like that. So you know from a you know from a personal perspective, you know that's that's a fairly big investment just to kind of print a pair of a pair of shoes. Um, so when you start looking at kind of mass mass manufacturing versus that, I think it would take a lot longer for those two kind of lines to converge. Um, I would also say just just to kind of move move it forward maybe in terms of like your, your point around personalization, if that is a word. I think that is an exciting part where you can also start looking at de-genderizing product. So, you, you, you know, you have like men's shoes and women's shoes and men's harnesses and female climbing harnesses and men's and women's packs as we do. When you start to look at people's individualities, I think that's where it gets really exciting. So it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you know, it, it literally, it's your pack. 
So, and, and I think that is an exciting part, even if that starts to come through at a componentry level, rather than kind of holistically this kind of personalized, complete product for you, even if you can personalize, let's say the harness. So, you know, every, everything else is, is kind of fairly, I would use the word loosely generic still, but then you can have your harness. So it's like, I'm gonna tap this in, it's gonna measure me, it's gonna print it out, and that is Tom Entwistle's harness. You know, that, that's cool, you know, and, and I don't, I, that's not that far off to be able to, to do that. On the note of de- degenderizing packs, is there a point between where we are now and where you're talking about there where you think we might stop looking at things as male and female and start looking at them as body types? Obviously, you get a lot of like endurance runners that yeah. basically all look the same. Yeah. Um, and there's very little difference between the men and the women. Do you, do you, do you see what I'm saying? Do you, yeah. do you think there's a, there's a midpoint? Yes. Yes, there's always a midpoint uh, in everything. <laughs> um, you know, but it's just, it's just about understanding, you know, and you use the kind of ultra running example. It's about understanding what packs are more relevant to that search for degenderization or person, you know, that, that kind of personal fit to that single person. Um, so I, I would say that in some some of our products, I'm going to use the word important here, but it's, it's kind of used loosely, are more or less important to do that. A lot of the time, if it's a technical product uh, where you're putting it through, you know, a very kind of specific environment or use, as you, again, as you said, like be that run, running or skiing or, or, you know, I would say hiking still, you know, you know, fast-moving sports maybe where you need ultra performance. I think then it plays an even more required, um, you know, kind of place in in the world. But when it comes to maybe products that are less likely to be used in a, in a, in a super technical environment, maybe it's and again loose, loosely used less important. Got it. Um, what about sustainability? Let's dive into that. It's a big topic. Um, what are some of the knock-on effects of focusing on sustainability as a design choice well just before we go forward with that question just just to kind of step back first um yes everybody is is more a hell of a lot more aware of sustainability now um, and that's due to the growing levels of transparency from you know brands into a consumer level which which we fully support but the the reason i said let's step step back before we step forward is it's also sustainability is a very very wide word, um, and what sustainability is not only is um, environmental kind of fabrics. You know, it's that's not. It's I always say kind of. I always say something is always a byproduct of lots of things. Whatever that something is, it's not. You know, it's not always like a kind of a, a silver bullet. I guess. So, what I wanted to say in that regard is we've always made incredible product, super high quality, super durable. You know, we've had products come back to the guarantee department, you know, that are like 20 years old, you know. So I think as well, it's really important to start looking at consumer habits um, and kind of the word waste. And I saw that recently. Um, It was actually on a David Attenborough 
um, documentary. And it's, it was a profound kind of documentary. And obviously there's other uh, con- uh, conservationists if you want to watch those as well. <laughs> no, no, there's not. No, no there's only one. That's blasphemy. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but right at the end, um, and, and it was the, kind of the most profound part of the documentary, um, he used the word waste. Don't waste your time. You only live once. Don't waste your food. Don't waste your money. Don't, you know, don't waste things. And it's this thing around waste. So I, I would say is if you buy into a product like, you know, and a lot of products in our industry are similar, you know, they can last you 10 years, 20. If you look after them, it's a bit, it's a bit like, you know, a bit like a car. You know, it's a big investment, you know, to some people like buying a pack for 250 pounds. You know, that that is a lot of money for a backpack, you know. So but if you look after it, it'll last you 10, 15, 20 years. So I just wanted to kind of before we go into sustainable products, we've always we've always had a sustainability story because it's always been about product. That's not it's not consumable. You don't buy it kind of in July one year and throw it away July the year after. You just don't do that with our products. So I just wanted to be kind of open with that. No, I think I think that's a really important point because um, you know, fast fast fashion is a buzzword that everyone everyone knows about. Um, and you know, unfortunately, touches all of our lives. I think it's, it's quite difficult to 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 escape that nowadays. Um, you walk into any um, high street clothing shop or browse on any um, major high street clothing website, and you, you're faced with it. And I think um, to to produce products which are pretty much the opposite of that. You know that that's a huge that's a huge deal and. Um, and I think can't be can't be underestimated, and, and it's obviously something that's supported by, you know, the guarantee um, the, the guarantee department at, at Osprey, and you know I'm trying not to obviously <laughs> I work for Osprey, and I'm trying not to um, trying not to I guess wax lyrical about, it, but there's a reason why I work for Osprey, and that's because I know for a fact that that's what Osprey products are. They are that um, you know durable, long lasting, the opposite of fast fashion. And um, yeah, I think that that's, that's super, super important. I think looking at it, like if something goes wrong with a product and again, it's, I'm, I'm trying not to be, as, as you just said, biased towards um, Osprey. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm also like looking at it from an outdoor industry perspective, yeah. but also other industries, you know, if you buy, um, if, uh, I'm also worried about now mentioning other brands. <laughs> if you buy a car, <laughs> um, you know, something goes wrong with that car, you know, you don't like throw it away. You know, you don't like, you know, wheel it into the garage and say, like, I want a new car. You know, it's, it's repairable. Um, again, it's, it's, a, it's a, an ecosystem of components which can be replaced. You know, and when, when you look at that, when packs come back to us, you know, people say, don't give me a new one. I, I don't want a new one. This, this, is, this is my friend. You know, I've yeah. been to Alaska with this, with this pack. Like, could you fix, fix the hip belt or whatever? And that, that to me is like a really... That's, that's super cool, you know, because this product has got memories, you know, and like even the smells of that product. I was about to say, like we've heard some stories about some smelly packs but, coming into the guarantee you know, team. But that's, you know, obviously as long as like it's within health and safety, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, but you know, that, that to me is super cool. But to move, to move it on, you know, to, to actually answer your question about sustainability, you know, we have made massive leaps forward in a, in a very short amount of time. Um, and... 
you know, that has been something that the entire business, you know, um, in the US, in Europe, in Vietnam, uh, where our office is in Vietnam, we have a design and, and quality control office. Um, you know, not many brands have that either. You know, it's right, you know, when I say right next to the um, right next to the production, you know, within hours uh, scooter ride, you know, literally we, we're watching the whole thing evolve um, every single minute. You know, the moves into sustainable um, practices as well, I think is is again as important as sustainable fabrics because you can you can have a pack that's made out of sustainable fabrics, but then actually when you look into the the business and the and the brand and they're not actually practicing what they preach, it almost like it, it cancels each other out. So even just having you know solar panels here at Talon House and things like that, it's it's a collection of doing lots of things that actually put you in a yeah. position where you can stand by your promise. And we've said, you know, our long, our long and short term uh, mission is to be, um, you know, the most sustainable, transparent, hard goods manufacturer in the outdoor industry. You know, and that's a big shout, you know, from a from a backpack brand. Uh, but we believe we can. You know, we've moved into um, fully recycled um, PE bags that the products come in. We've moved into uh, recycled um, cardboard. You know that they're shipped in and all that. You know, so again, it's this it's this entirety that you have to look at when you look at sustainability. Yeah, it sounds cheesy, but sustainability is a uh, you know it's a lifestyle. It's a it's a mentality. It's a mindset, and I don't mean that from a um, from a brand perspective to to the people who are buying our products. They you know it, sustainability isn't just one thing, as as Tom's saying. It's um, it's how we approach our li- you know our lives every single day, and it's about making the right choices every single day. And I guess as a brand, um, it's important that. Um, we we build that mentality into everything that we do and it's not just a single fabric it's a mindset in every process that we take um and that ticks you know it ticks a lot of boxes it's the people we're working with and it's the um it's the processes that we take i'm going to pinch that word mentality for a second it's also about consumer mentality and it's about showing that we can um, connect performance with sustainability so a lot of people think that by adding something in, you you have a compromise. So that's also the like really rewarding part. So with some of the products we've got for Spring 21, some of our most iconic performance-driven product, we've got C0 DWRs on there, so they're the PFC-free. You know, we have like ultra-performing product, but it has a sustainability story. You know, we have high-tenacity nylons that are recycled. You know, so it's, it's all those things where in the past people thought, well, aren't you kind of like dumbing down the product by, by giving this, this sustainability story? The answer is no. The, the answer is actually you do get the best of both worlds because you essentially have, you know, a, a supercar with a uh, electric engine. You know, so it's kind of looking at packs like that is also like really exciting. And, and every new product we launch for next year um, is actually C0 or DWR and it uses recycled nylons, you know, every product we launch next year. So this move into this, the majority of our product and at some point our, our entire range being recycled nylons, C0, again, coming in sustainable um, operational practices like the bags they're shipped in, the cardboard they're shipped in, you know, the whole thing is what actually gives you the opportunity to say we are a fully sustainable brand. And that, that also is a really exciting journey to be on because you start to pick things apart and you're like, well, hang on a second. 
what about this? You know, it's, and it's a bit like the, the Olympic mentality is those incremental gains are actually the most important parts of becoming you know, uh, an Olympic performer. And that's, yeah. that's what we're striving to be really in the backpack world. Yeah, and I guess um, one, one uh, final point for me, I, I, I work in um, digital marketing, so I'm, you know, I head up the digital marketing team at, at Osprey and you'll see a lot of um, stories because we're all about storytelling and you'll see a lot of stories um, on our website and on our social channels that relate to, um, that relate to sustainability. And we're not, we're not um, telling those stories as, you know, as a USP. Um, there's an element of, you know, standing up for what is right as a brand. And there's an element of leading the way. And there's an element of, um, you know, not activism, but it kind of is like, there is an element of like um, being the, 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 you know, the sort of leader in these areas in the outdoor industry. And, um, you know, when we, when we tell these stories, that's, mostly why we're doing it that we want to be um, at the forefront and from a brand perspective sorry just one last thing and then i'll, I'll then i'll stop talking mark um, <laughs> that's all right that's why you're here <laughs> <laughs> um i think as well like brands now are beginning to understand what power they also have you know and no brand is going to sell their product to absolutely every single person in the world you know and that's 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 a fact you know, so I think brands are all are beginning to understand how important uh, quality is, even with just the the loyalty that they have, and understanding that you know some people just won't wear a certain brand of, of, of trainer, for example. You know, and and I think those brands have just started thinking, okay, you know, we what we actually care more about is having our own point of view that our community actually trusts and buys into. You know, and there's more brands doing that now and having a clear point of view, be that a political point of view, be that about diversity, be that about kind of social situations. And that, that for me is a really powerful thing because I think brands can, you know, brands can lead governments in some, in some ways. And that's, that, that is super cool, you know, and um, I, I'm fully supporting that across Osprey and, and across other brands, be that in the outdoor industry, sport industry, whatever that is. I think stand up and say, you know, and, and say what you want to say, you know, be, be real, you know, and I think we've gone through too many years of kind of saying things because that's what you, you think people want to hear. And it's like, that's, that's not what this is about. This is about producing product you think is right. It's yeah. about telling those stories you really truly believe in, you know, and I think that that's super cool at the moment. I think it, across the wider picture, that's kind of the only way you, you need individual big brands willing to make that move in order to inspire the rest to follow because as soon as people start showing like now this this is the new bar this is now what can be expected of a brand yeah then suddenly all the other brands are expected to catch up yeah and that's good exactly you know, and, and that's a little bit like competition yep you know a one-man boxing match is pretty boring um you know so you know in in our world it's great to have competition and actually when when I see other backpack brands doing a great job, which a lot of a lot of them do, you know, and that's great to see. I think that's 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 cool because you're actually you're actually pushing us now. Mm -hmm. So I think bouncing off brands and with each other being competitive, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know. But you know, listening and 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 connecting as as an industry, I think is really important. That's that's why we're put, you know we're part of the OIA, we're part of the EOG. The EOG is the European Outdoor Group. Um, you know, and we feel we feel like we're part of a real community there. 
What would you say is the next biggest leap in product design specifically within the world of backpacks? I think the next biggest leap is uh, fabrics. Is looking at conventional nylons, polyesters, and understanding the potential of um, fusion. I would say it's a bit, it's a bit like, it's a bit like cuisine. <laughs> you know, taking, taking and keeping the 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 things that work, and you know, but also like understanding like how to to blend different ingredients into into packs and, and fabrics for me is the most exciting part. And again, whether that's on the back system or whether that's part of the body of the pack, um, I definitely, again, think in, in five years time, we'll be using backpacks that are using completely different fabrics and construction. That I th so for me, it would be, um, yeah, the fabric fusion. When to use nylon, when not, you know, can nylon can we bond nylons to injection molded pieces, 3D printed pieces? You know, can, how, how does that evolve? Um, you know, that, that for me is, is some of the next big steps in backpack. And you see, you see a, a literal performance improvement because of those steps? Maybe, maybe. Well, yes, there will be in some cases performance, but also like the modularity as well. I, I, see, mm. I see like modularity becoming becoming something, you know, like, again, trying really hard not to say brands, but um, let's say in 10 years time, you could buy a modular uh, vehicle that was a, a, um, a blend of a car that you could drive into town, like on your own and park it, you know, between you know, between two cars that are parked very close together, you know, literally, like, I'm, it was really hard not to say the car, <laughs> but a very small two-man car, yeah. for for example, but then you, like, back that, you know, you back that into another part of the vehicle and it connects itself, and then that turns into, like, a camper van for the weekend. You know, so you're buying, like, one product, but you're using it in mul multiple environments. I see that in backpacks. You know, something that you can, like, it's almost a bit like kind of, Optimus Prime type stuff, you know, where mm. you can like get this, get this pack, you can use it to bike to work. Then you like get, you know, you get home, you plan a trip in the mountains for the weekend. It's like connect like, you know, together. And then you, you've got a backpacking pack using what you probably use to go to, to work with. But that to me is, is something that's super exciting. That is, I mean, that's, that's super exciting for a few reasons. I mean, there's the, um, you talked about waste at the beginning. I mean, if mm -hmm. it's, you know, if it's modular, you are, you're definitely cutting down on, on waste. Um, and also just because, you know, convenience and usability, that's, you know, massively, um, you know, uh, obviously a huge step for the consumer. And um, I think there's, you know, there's some, um, there's, there's some tech brands that are, are trying to make moves on this and they're, they're only just like, um, I guess, scraping the surface. There's some like modular um, smartphones out there where you can like swap out camera pieces and swap in a new camera pieces, but they're only just scraping the surface and it's only just kicking off. And I think, you know, the, the fact that we're already considering it is super interesting. Yeah, like learn, um, we've all learned a lot over the last six months, but, you know, one, one decision and, and it's pretty kind of, I say easy, um, easy-ish, I would say, you know, we, we moved to one family car, you know, we only have one car parked outside our house now, you know, and a big reason for that was because we didn't need, need is the key word there, two cars. So, you know, looking at that, if, 
if that car parked outside our house in 10 years time is something that we could like literally nip into town with that had an electric engine and then like come home like reconnect it to something that has bigger space so again i have three kids so we need lots of space you know for bikes and like you know going camping and stuff like that you've got you've still got one vehicle but it's modular and if it's in town it's electric but then if you've got to make a larger journey you know you have a hybrid mentality that to me when you start to move that way of thinking into everything in life and backpacks i, I get quite excited about that that way of thinking Awesome. Let's talk about testing product. Mm-hmm. What is the process? How do how do we even start testing? How do you know when you've got it right? You've never got it right is the answer to the last part. Um, nice. even, even, <laughs> even when you launch it, you're like, ah, that little thing. Why did we not see that? <laughs> um, so yeah, the, that we, we never got it right is the answer to that. And back to James' point about, you know, Talon evolving. You know, you think talent you don't touch talent you know you can't get any better and then you look at it and you you do actually find ways of making it better but in terms of the the testing so um we go through and again this is quite different to other brands we go through a lot of prototypes you know to make sure it's as perfect as it possibly can be before we put it into production obviously weighing up the um the sustainability side of it you know we don't just producing prototypes because because it's fun we're making sure that it fits into a process those prototypes come to the, the product team. So we obviously product teams in Europe, in uh, in the US and also in Vietnam. We test the product, we test it internally as well, you know, at Talon House, you know, well, <laughs> we've we've all been out together, you know, us, yeah. us, us three, you know, on uh, out in the mountains, out in the hills, on the coast, you know, testing product. So there's that mentality, but also we have a big, um, you know, we have a big athlete um, program. So those prototypes and samples are also, you know, sent to river rafters, to mountaineers, to um, hikers, to, you know, other, other athletes, bikers, whoever that is. Um, obviously, I'll give you an example. Um, so we've got, we've got some product in development for next year uh, and the year after that's already being tested by, by NIMS. So um, we sponsor NIMS, um, you know, pretty much the kind of top mountaineer in the world after the, the you know, the, the 14 summits that he did. So, you know, like people like that. And, and also we have a good enough relationship, like I said, w- internally with those athletes and, and we're open to, to their suggestions. Um, and we often make changes off the back of, of, the, of that feedback. So testing for us is, is rigorous. We, we obviously have, um, I would call it kind of laboratory testing as well, you know, so um, tear strengths, abrasion tests, you know, in-house. So all those are, are, are taking place um, like literally around the clock. So yeah, we, we do have a very good testing program in place. And we work with uh, search and rescue teams as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. That's a that's a really important and <laughs> talking about the kind of modularity side of it going forward as well. Obviously, mountain rescue. Uh, you could even put paramedics in there. There's a lot of modularity in in the products they use. Mm. But yeah, mountain rescue definitely do a lot of testing, and that again is in Europe, all across Europe, um, also in the US. Um, for for me, the the mountain rescue is is a dual benefit. You you get the real um, you get the real users. You know they're literally out there every single day. Um, but also then on on the other side, the other benefit is just the connection, the connection to 
to normal people, I use the word again, normal <laughs> people doing abnormal things. You know, one minute somebody's, you know, in North Wales, sat at their desk typing an email, and the next minute they've got to be winched out of a helicopter, you know, to, to, to save somebody. That, to me, is super cool. And if they're using our products to do that, that's, that's really rewarding. I'm going to end on a broad question just before we get to your recommends. Uh, and on a, a very broad question, which is what do you feel hasn't been spoken about enough or focused on enough this year that we should all endeavour to focus on more in 2021? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really try to uh, not say super cool, by the way, because I, th- I think I've said super cool about a thousand <laughs> times in the last 50 minutes. So definitely anybody listening. Need to, to focus this. on so less use cool. of the yeah, phrase. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah, so many WhatsApps saying... Super cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to kind of step outside of the backpack world to to answer that. Actually, um, I'm I'm going to I'm going to say mental health. I, I I'm um, I'm 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 personally invested in in kind of making sure you know mental health is a bigger thing that we talk about. Um, I'm also really supportive of some uh, of the uh, when I say some, I mean all charities clearly that that promote. Um, well-being and you know be that physical well-being and, and mental well-being um, I'm a you know connected already to uh, some of the the organizations we work with actually at Osprey including Rock to Recovery um, but Dorset Mind who are a local charity as well so f- for me this kind of well-being is is something that needs to be highlighted from from top down and, and I'm I'm not necessarily pointing fingers, but I'm highlighting the government there in terms of supporting that. And we've been through, you know, we've been through a pretty kind of um, <laughs> pretty big tumble dry uh, process in the last six months. You know, we've been bashed around socially, economically, you know, and, and um, I just think that a lot of people um, have, have been through some really, really tough times and what support they've they've been given um I, I personally feel is questionable and, and not anywhere near enough um but it has also kind of showed me the connection between and i'm just talking personally here um really realizing what's important in your life um you know and obviously my my family my wife my friends um the people i work with you know that's that's really important to me but then also like what what actually promotes my my own well-being and be again physical and mental um and that that has been completely proven that for me getting into the outdoors spending time with well <laughs> with you guys recently on the rock to recovery um event but also just generally you know spending time outside with your friends and family um that that has really helped me so i think we need to spend more time and i think we need to spend more money um, that's an important part of it as well from a, a government funding perspective on, on mental health and making sure that, you know, you, everybody like buys magazines like and books, you know, daily and weekly about like how to get fit. And it's like, okay, but like, where are all the magazines and the books about, you know, mental health and well-being, you know, and we have to make sure that, again, it's not, it's not kind of like underneath physical you know fitness it should be like completely at least on par with that in terms of how the how the 
how we think about it. And, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of wind it down because I could talk all day about that and I'm really passionate about it. But I think we need to spend more time supporting people, more money on it. Um, and and I, think that will, I think that will actually have a knock-on effect to more things than we actually think it would. So that, that's, that's, that's what I think. Um, I guess quick question for me. I mean, obviously I agree with everything you're saying and, um, you know, getting out, getting outside in the past, you know, nine months has been vital. I don't, you know, I don't know what sort of state I'd be in now if I hadn't been getting out running, haven't been getting out my bike and haven't been getting out on hikes. Um, a few specifics, just interested more than anything. What have you been up to? Like, where have you been? You mentioned the rock to recovery hike, but you know, how have you been getting out and how have you been, been dealing with it? Well, I, I've been, you know, very much my mentality has been be part, be part of the solution, not, not the problem, you know? So, um, how we've kind of behaved ourselves and as a family is very much kind of, um, exploring, finding, finding new places locally. You know, it's like, my grandparents always used to say, like, I know it's kind of, again, cliche is, um, the last place you explore is your own backyard. And, and for me, like the last six months has been incredible being in the new forest, um, just taking walks, even from the house. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be this big expedition, although for, for my three kids, getting out of the house can sometimes feel like an expedition. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's something that, that, that we've really gained a lot of, of you know, of, of kind of happiness through, you know, just kind of saying, well, God, there's so much within five miles of us, you know, there's so much within sometimes a mile of you. So that's one thing, but also like looking forward to next year. Um, I really want to take my, you know, I've not taken my kids to Scotland. I've been to Scotland many times climbing, but you know, I, I want to take my kids to Scotland, you know, and to the lakes and, you know, I want to show them what I don't work for the uh, the UK tourist board, just for the record. But um, you know, I want to show them our our backyard and show them how cool it is. You know, and um, that's that's something that I think we can probably all find find out for ourselves before we, you know, before we kind of go to the far flung places. Is what's Scotland like? What's the Lake District like? What's Pembrokeshire like? What's North Wales like? You know. There's so many places to explore. Yeah, totally. I do. Yeah, I definitely think it, it's <clears throat> sort of forced a, a renewed appreciation for for the local areas. Um, I, I actually think, Mark, it's it's forced a renewed appreciation for everything. Um, and you said, like, you know, getting out your house. You know, let's not forget we, you know, we were in a situation where we weren't really supposed to go out of the house unless you're doing A, B, C, D, and E, yeah. whatever those things were. Um, you know, so I think that that is a big thing, like that, the word appreciation, as you said. Um, and you do definitely start to appreciate what, what you need as well versus what you want. You know, and, and once you start saying, well, do I need that? Or do I want that? That also comes back to, you know, the, the kind of the way you think about your belongings. Um, and I would, I would just kind of tie that back into, you know, back into working for Osprey. Um, it's definitely made me appreciate um, how you know how cool the company is that we have um, you know and all the people that I work with on a daily basis and it's you know again it made me appreciate that I'm not selling toothpaste you know I'm selling backpacks that I have influence in you know and um, you know I'm, I'm able to kind of share my ideas and also then at the weekend I'm actually I'm actually using that product as well on, on my back 
Um, so that, that gives you huge appreciation. Uh, let's finish up with your three recommends then. So we're looking for one film and TV. Film or TV. <laughs> one music. This is a, a curveball. I didn't know that. I didn't know this was coming. Oh no, music did you say? Yeah, one music. Oh God. I'm going to get even more text now saying... One film, one music and one Sorry. TV. And one other. One, one film or TV, one music and one other, which could be anything. So that could be a book or an app or an activity or whatever. I recommend Osprey Perks. <laughs> God, that's really hard. Three super cool recommends. Do you know what? I'm going to, like, people are just going to be thinking, like, is this guy for real? He's totally, like... My, my film... Um, <laughs> My film is Rocky 2. <laughs> uh, I've got to say Rocky 2. Like, literally, that's an excellent choice. Really? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of thinking when people would be like, man, like, what about the Shawshank Redemption? <laughs> what about all these, like... <laughs> I've got to say Rocky 2. If, if you sat me down and, like, tied me to a chair um, and made me watch Rocky 2, like, on loop, I reckon you could come back in a year's time and I'd be like, put it on again. Um, so, yeah, Rocky 2. Um... I was brought up on Dire Straits and then I like went out of Dire Straits into like more urban type music and um, recently I found the first Dire Straits album from like 1978 I think it was on iTunes and like I, I, I class myself as a, as a Dire Straits fan <laughs> and I was like what is this? Um, so yeah I, I would say like I could I could again like just sit there and listen to to Die Straits all the time which which is a bit of a kind of reconnection with my childhood as well like during during the, the last six months um, and then a random a random a favourite random other yeah do you know what I am going to be totally cliche um, I, I would say I would say being outside with with friends and, and family you know and it's been a popular choice throughout throughout yeah, the show to be and, honest a lot of people have said this and it's just that reconnection that, and again to your word that reappreciation of, of that you know and I could I could sit around the fire um, I'm, a, I'm a big fire guy um, in more ways I love fires and I also love big fires um, <laughs> you know I've been lucky enough to like paddle paddle a couple of rivers in the US and everything that I remember from like kayaking and, and rafting rivers is is the fire at the end of the day um so yeah sat around fires with with my family and with friends having had a like a big day in the mountains or on the river where you know you have that kind of feeling on your face and you're that that type of tired you know you're not tired because you've been sat in front of a laptop all day you're yeah. tired because you're, you're you've earned it just yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exhausted, yeah, yeah exactly that tired um so yeah so that's rocky two dire straits and fire Three, three great choices. Oh, that's, that's solid choices. <laughs> what about um, yours, James? What are yours? I'm now interested in yours. Um, for me right now, I am going start to finish. I, I've watched a lot of it previously, but I'm going to start to finish again on The Sopranos, um, which, is, which is a really, really famous uh, mafia program. But there's, there's more to it. It's not just, it's not just uh, you know, the mafia. It's, um, you know, it's a really... James Gandolfini is like this amazing actor who unfortunately passed away, but he's an amazing actor. But it's a really realistic, interesting look at that sort of world. But also there's this huge... Um, and it's funny that, you know, we've been talking about it. It's funny, I'm watching it. There's this huge mental health aspect that runs underneath it. So it begins with him visiting um, a psychiatrist for the first time. And um, 
he keeps having these panic attacks. And it's the realities of, of this guy who, who's heading up a family in the mafia, who's also struggling with mental health and the sort of like that weird clash between those two things. He's this macho guy and, and he's having to deal with it. Um, so it's like, it's, it's really heartwarming at points, which is strange. So yeah, definitely recommend that start to finish. Just rinse the, rinse the whole thing. Um, Music, um, it's, uh, it's a bit obscure and I don't want to come across as naff, but um, Bill Callahan's gold record, he's this really sort of folky guy whose voice is is amazing. And then um, other, this is, this is a bit random, but just getting up early and doing any activity. Um, so I've been getting out and doing a lot of surfing, but I've also been out for a run with Tom this week. And... Um, and uh, it's funny, I, I cycled to meet him and I forgot my key for the bike that I was supposed to lock up before we were going. Forgot. <laughs> so we were meeting for a run and I forgot my key um, for my bike that I was supposed to be locking up where we met. And, um, and my excuse was that I'm really tired and I'm terrible in the mornings. And it's true, I am awful in the mornings. But getting up early and forcing myself to do these things, be it a surf or be it a run or, you know, a ride or just a walk, um, oh my God, my, um, you know, the way I feel for the rest of the day and the way I approach the rest of the day is just 10 million times better. So yeah, getting up early for, for some sort of activity, even if you forget your key. This episode was recorded before the UK went back into lockdown. So I'd strongly recommend you do take Tom and James's advice to heart and get out as much as possible. Get out into the outdoors, of course, while staying safe, keeping your distance, washing your hands, all of that good stuff. It really is invaluable at times like this. Big thanks to Tom and James for coming on. I've been your host, Marcus Brown. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Osprey Podcast. Podcast.